0: It is Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts edition. I'm David Locke, host of Locked On NBA, founder of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you very much for tuning in. Every week, we dig into the biggest stories of the NBA with our local experts on the Locked On Podcast Network, where we deliver a daily podcast for you on every single NBA team. Today, we'll stop in Boston as the Celtics continue to win. John Corrales will give us the latest. Quietly in Detroit, things are still going well. So Matt Shook of Locked on Pistons, we'll talk about the Pistons who've won five straight and going not so well are things in LA. The Clippers have lost nine in a row. Lucas Hand joins us from Locked on Clippers to see what's next for Steve Ballmer and the Clippers. That's the plan on the biggest stories for the local experts and today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek where you can download the app SeatGeek, go to the settings tab, enter in the promo code LOCKED, and get a $20 rebate on your first purchase. It's also brought to you by Draft, Draft.com, where the app Draft, a super fun daily fantasy basketball game you can play. Draft five players, do it with friends, have a super fun time with their snake draft. I'll tell you more about that. We have Draft Wednesday at the On Podcast Network. But let's get it started. The biggest stories, the local experts on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. There is no place to start other than in Boston. John Krause is the host of Locked On Celtics. And John, last week I decided, all right, well, we covered the streak, week, but I got to come back to you. Like, I know it's been two weeks, but you're still the number one biggest story that's out there. What has stunned you the most about this Celtics streak? Well, I mean,
1: I guess first of all, I should thank the Celtics for keeping me in the spotlight. I want to thank them for that. And uh, what stunned me the most is the fact that they actually keep winning these games where they get down by double digits somewhere in the 13 to 17 point range. And last night against Dallas, granted three-win team Dallas Mavericks, but when you go down 13 points midway through the fourth quarter, you're supposed to lose that game. And they just, for some reason, once it hits that teens, they their defense ramps back up again. Jason Tatum becomes a Rookie of the Year candidate. Jalen Brown shows, like, Danny Ainge is a genius for selecting him third. And Kyrie Irving becomes the best player in the world. So I, I don't know how they suddenly go from being so bad to so good, but they do, and here we are, 16 games in a row later.
0: I, I, I get nervous about comparing teams to all-time greats, but do they have... The the Chicago Bulls used to be able to... The great Bulls teams, when they had this great defensive lineup of Jordan and Pippen and Rodman and Harper, they would just, for five to six minutes, put the clamps down. And the, almost the exact same way that the Warriors, when they're at the top of their game, go on these five- and six-minute offensive runs. Is that Similar to what they're doing? Are they having these five and six minute defensive surges where the other team is just helpless?
1: Well, I mean, I also hesitate to make those comparisons and keep them, you know, mention these teams in the same breath. But uh, yeah, they are putting five and six and seven minute stretches together where they just become this defensive juggernaut, doing it the way that they've been built to do by switching everything and. Uh, All of a sudden, teams can't find lanes to the basket. They can't find open shots. They just get harassed into turnovers and into bad shots, and they can't rebound. So the Celtics are getting out into transition. Last night, as part of a key stretch, we saw two alley-oops Jason Tatum. Much like uh, a couple of games ago, Tatum would go coast-to-coast in Atlanta. So there are transition opportunities that come out of that that all of a sudden, you know, once you get out and running off a miss or a turnover, you can start erasing a deficit really fast or start building up a lead really fast. So that's what the Celtics are doing. That's what they did against the Warriors in their big comeback and against the Hornets in a big comeback. They've, they've gotten down big, and they've clamped down and switch, 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 and the teams get confused. The teams rush. They speed up. They do things at a different pace than they've been doing when they were successful earlier in the game. And the Celtics just take advantage. And Kyrie, like I said, in the end, ends up being the guy who takes the most advantage of it because he can get a shot off anywhere. He can dribble between – he can throw the entire bench out there and have him dribble between 15 guys at this point. He can find a way to get to the hoop. So it's all coming together uh, for long enough at the right
0: time. Their streak is historical. You and I are both reluctant to go compare him to all-time greats, but they have a 95.8 defensive rating, which is – is historical, is there a chance that this defense is historically great and therefore the Celtics are as well?
1: (laughs) You know, it's hard for me to say that. I can't bring myself to say that. Yes, the defense is playing extraordinarily well. It also relies on a a rookie and a second-year player to provide a lot of the boost there. And a, a point guard who historically has not played defense at all. Now, Kyrie has the best defensive rating of his career. Jason Tatum is playing better than ever, uh, than than anybody could have expected defensively. And I just did a whole breakdown on Jalen Brown's defense where he's much surpassing what Avery Bradley has done over the course of his career when he was with the Celtics. And we all know how highly we regard Avery Bradley's defense. So, still, a second-year player, You have to expect a drop-off. A first-year player in the Celtics' schedule right now because of that January trip to London, it's just every other day mixed in with a couple of back-to-backs. At some point, you have to think that there's going to be a wall for him. And at some point, you have to think maybe Kyrie is not going to be trying as much defensively and he's going to start dying on more screens and that's going to cause some problems. So before I start making any wild declarations, yes, it's possible that they can continue this. Do, however, expect some sort of regression. I don't know how much of a regression. They may still be the league's top defense, or they might slip to second or third. They, as I've been saying, they are built to switch and they do it very well. I just need to see it sustained through. That means it's not even Thanksgiving yet. So let's I want to see it sustained into like January before I can say, all right, I'm ready to believe.
0: There are some axioms that we all believe in the NBA. Continuity is good, young can't defend, depth is important. I'm not sure that the Celtics fit any of the three. Does that mean those <laughs> axioms are not true? Or is there some way the Celtics are just disproving these and if so, how? Well, Let's
1: go one by one that continuity is important. Yes, continuity is important, but the Celtics have a pretty good coach and a pretty good coaching staff and a pretty solid structure from top to bottom. So they allow guys to do what they do best, and they've constructed a team that kind of fits pretty well. So the continuity came a lot quicker than we thought. Before the season started, everybody was kind of warning us that it would be a little tough to start. And, and this is coming from the players. And They ended up being wrong because they came together very quickly. They're, they're playing like they've been together for multiple seasons. But like I said, because Horford and Kyrie fit together very well and Tatum and Brown fit together very well, they're getting a lot of things that just kind of work. The types of players that they've put to, on this roster – fit nicely. Uh, The youth, yeah, the youth is, we we still have to have a bigger sample size because the youth is affected by time and the grind and all that stuff, but talent trumps that, and Tatum has a ton of talent. Jalen Brown has a ton of talent. The youth that they do have is very, very talented, so you don't normally win with young guys, but these young guys can beat that axiom because they are just better. You know, a lot of the young guys that kind of fed into that narrative just you know they weren't as good. These guys are better. And uh what was the
0: third one? Uh probably depth. I mean you had five depth. guys play thirty four minutes last night, right? Or four guys play thirty. Danny
1: Ainge to his credit, has hit on every signing. Like everything that he's done has been pretty good. Selecting semi Augelet in the second round is a big score. Daniel Tice from Germany is a big score. Getting Morris, you had to make a salary dump trade for, uh, Avery Bradley and you get back Marcus Morris, which helps. Then Aaron Baines opts out of his, his contract in Detroit, completely misreads the market. Danny Ainge swoops in and gets him for a season. He's huge. He's got the best defensive rating on the team. So all of these little things that Danny Ainge has done to kind of fill the roster have, he's, he's hit on all of that. We didn't expect the depth to be where it was, but it's better because, I don't know, Danny. maybe a little bit of luck, maybe just great scouting and Ainge is a wizard, and, and that's it. So I, I think the depth is better than we expected because everything's kind of come up roses for
0: him. Final question for you, as we always do on the Lockdown Podcast Network, covering the biggest stories from local angles. What is it that, by being on the ground and around this team, you know and understand that it's not being covered nationally?
1: You know, I, I don't know, man. That's the thing about this team. I don't know. And there's there's a thing that's happening within that locker room that these guys, I don't know if it's Woke Kyrie, who suddenly is the most philosophizing guy out there. Something something about these guys clicks. And, and it's hard to explain. We sit there on the podcast after every game going, I don't know how they pulled it off. I don't know what it is. And maybe someday after the season is over, we can kind of get inside somebody's head and we can figure out what was it that kind of like pulled you guys together so quickly. But, you know, some of it is just it's just a mystery. And some of it is just sheer force of will. And some of it is Brad Stevens is Brad Stevens. But, man, I, you guys you guys are seeing what we're seeing.
0: John Corrales, Locked On Celtics, along with Jay King and Sam Packard. They do a great job. They have the number one story in the league. You should subscribe and listen to them here on the Locked On Podcast Network. John, thank you very much. You got it. Thanks. As an NBA fan, I hope you have played Draft. Draft is in such a great time. It is a daily fantasy game, but done differently than everybody else. It's done by a snake draft. You draft just five players, no salary cap. You get in with either your buddies or you enter in one of the currently active games. It notifies you the draft is ready, and boom, you're going right away. It's quick, it's easy. You pick your players, you figure out whether you want to go center, forward, guards, whether there's what the best way to go, who the matchups are each night. It's super. Fun. It's my favorite fantasy site. No more getting crushed by the pros and just having a total blast. Drafts are done in under five minutes. You get paid the next day. They're filling every second. Use the promo code LONBA. When you make your first deposit, you'll get a free entry into a real money draft. That's L-O-N-B-A. Play real money draft for free by just using the promo code L-O-N-B-A. It's super fun. You can do it with strangers, get a bunch of buddies together. You can challenge us as well, uh, all the hosts of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come find a fun way to play. Again, the promo code is LONBA to get started. I promise you'll have a blast. Email it out to a bunch of your buddies and get a group together for the weekend. Draft in your App Store or Draft.com promo code LONBA No, this is not What About Bob or one of those Groundhog Day Bill Murray movies where everything recreates, but we are going from the Celtics to the Pistons as we did two weeks ago because while the Celtics are 13-2 and the Pistons have won five straight and are only a game back in the loss column. Matt Shook joins us now. He's the host of Locked on Pistons has been doing a great job uh, with this team. They are eight games at home five games on the road are there other areas Matt where you put holes in this or now talking to us two weeks later you say no no no, this is really legitimate
2: yeah they they kind of bounced back a little bit um they they had the the home win streak and then went on the road and lost a couple couple of tough games so you know they're sitting at 11 and 6 going into Thanksgiving right now uh they've got a tough schedule ahead though so I think it kind of remains to be seen um, they've they kind of responded to the first little pothole of the season there with the Indiana Pacers loss and followed up by the Milwaukee loss there. So I think they've got some tough ones ahead. You got Oklahoma City, you got Boston, you got a quick respite against Phoenix, and then you're on the road for Washington, Philadelphia, San Antonio, Milwaukee. That's a lot of tough games right there. So I think by the beginning of December we'll have maybe a better read on where the Pistons are at.
0: There are two players that are considerably different than they've been before. Tobias Harris, in his seventh year, is actually doing, to me, what's pretty similar to Gordon Hayward of a year ago, and obviously that's a close reference to me, but their careers have paralleled a little bit statistically, and now all of a sudden Tobias Harris has made a huge, that kind of big jump that he made last year from really good to all-star. Harris now at 19 points, I think 47%, both from two and from three. What is allowed Tobias Harris to become a different player?
2: I think it's the, the way the offense is designed right now. I think that they're doing a better job of getting open three-pointers, and like you said, the 47% uh, three-point shooting. That's probably not sustainable for the entire season, but he's sitting in open right now on, at, the, at the top of the key, and that's because um, there's a lot more motion offense. It's not just completely the pick and roll that they've had in the past with Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. I think that uh, Tobias Harris has been a big beneficiary of the way that Stan Van Gundy has retooled the offense to more of a, a lot of more passing and cutting. You move Andre Drummond away from the basket, you get Avery Bradley heading towards the basket, and that opens up secondary options like Tobias Harris around the three-point line. That's kind of been one of the keys for his uh, resurgence this season.
0: Watching, I always believe that teams have to have a very clear pecking order. I love to refer to it as the rightful order of the basketball universe. Did Avery Bradley's insertion instead of Contavious Cuddlepup somehow get things in a correct order where everyone understands their roles? Did something of that sort happen with this team? Um, maybe not
2: so much with that. I think that maybe the Detroit Pistons in their past, uh, even in these past couple of years of success that they've had over these past couple of decades, They've kind of been the the exception to that rule. Certainly, there's guys like Chauncey Billups that were closers for those championship teams. And I think Reggie Jackson, to a lesser extent and to a not as good of extent so far, has kind of taken over that role as kind of the end of the shot clock, end of the quarters type of score that they have. But as far as the offense pecking order, there's just a lot of guys that do a lot of different things. Bradley cuts to the basket and also comes off of screens for sort of long twos and also jump shots. Um, Stanley Johnson and Bradley are also creating things with their defensive abilities. And then, like we mentioned, Tobias Harris with the top of the key shooting, Andre Drummond still rolling to the basket off pick and rolls and playing kind of a outside high post type of point center is what they're calling it a little bit. So there's all sorts of different options. There's certainly guys that specialize at end of the shot clock type of things, end of the quarter type of things, but it's a really a varied offense right now. And I think that's what's been tough to stop for teams that as the Pistons aren't a team that has that. You know, guy that you can go to every single time that's going to score. They don't have that transcendent talent right now, but they are relying on different guys and different skills at different times.
0: Van Gundy last year was so hard on this team, and I remember when we were in there and played them, they lost, and he went on this tirade afterwards that was, you know, it's two good days, and then you know you're taking a step backwards, and it was almost this self-fulfilling negative prophecy in my mind. I'd never heard a coach talks so negatively about his players, and you know, in kind of this new age day, thinking to myself, like you're just almost making it happen. If that makes sense, like you're telling the guys this. How has he been about this?
2: Yeah, it's he's uh, he's by nature a negative guy. He talked about that in Sunday's Detroit Free Press in a Mitchell column, and I don't know that that does kind of wear on teams. You see that he was in. Uh, Miami and Orlando and he wasn't those places for very long and those went south with certain players very quickly obviously Dwight Howard being the most famous example there but we'll see how it kind of wears on one of the things that's been interesting this season is that Stanley Johnson has not really performed like you would hope he would in his third year kind of hoping that this was kind of a show it year before he becomes uh, maybe an extension candidate this summer so and he is the guy who's kind of had the most problems with Stan in his first couple of years, and he hasn't really been showing it. So it might be something to look out for. Like I said, they should be underdogs in seven of their next eight games. So they're going to be really tested over these next two or three weeks. This is the time for Stan Van Gundy to show his coaching ability and maybe, like you said, express maybe some of those more positive Uh, coaching virtues and show how he's turned a corner in his coaching evolution over the years, that he can kind of weather the storm and and take a team that's going through some tough times and turn it around maybe like he hasn't done in the past.
0: Final thing for Matt Shook, host of Locked On Pistons. We always are watching these stories from 30,000 feet. What by following this team every day, podcasting about it every day, being on the ground with it, are you aware of that you don't think the rest of the national audience is picking up on?
2: Wow, that's a good question. Um, I I would say the bench. I don't know that uh, I don't know if they're getting enough attention. Everyone's talking about Andre Drummond. Everyone's talking about you know Avery Bradley and the way that he's um, helped the team offensively and defensively. But this might be the best bench in the NBA right now, so far this season remains to be seen as we go on. But Ish Smith, Langston Galloway, Anthony Tolliver, Luke Kennard, uh, Henry Ellenson, Eric Morland. I mean, there's just a lot of guys that have made a lot of different contributions, and all these guys can do at least one thing. They have at least one NBA skill that helps them out out there. Guys like Aaron, Moore, Eric Moreland are trying to develop their offensive games. Guys like Luke Kennard and Henry Allenson are trying to develop their defensive games. But Ish Smith has kind of gone under the radar these last couple of years, has um, finally found a home. I think this is his like 11th team in the NBA, and now he's uh, two seasons into one, one tenure with a team, his longest one out of all those different times that he's had so something to keep an eye on are those guys um and how they hold up throughout the season because as they get more minutes and people start focusing on them more and trying to stop their specific offensive and defensive skills how they respond and how they kind of you know focus their games in a different direction will be something to watch as the season goes on
0: and matt i've got a note for you as we wrap this up just talking about tobias harrison his incredible forty-seven percent 3 three-point shooting the big change for him Pull-up threes. Last year, pull-up threes, off-the-bounce threes. He was only 3 of 15 for the whole season. And this year, he's already 10 of 21. So that's probably the big change in his game and what's allowing him to get 7 a game. uh, Contrasting to, I think, the 3 or 4 he took last year. He maintains that. Maybe it is a legitimate jump to all-star level for Tobias Harris.
2: Yeah, I think that might be coming off of maybe some secondary break uh, action. Because if you have... Stanley and, and Avery Bradley, and then Ish Smith, kind of running the running the transition. You can maybe have trailers like Harris coming up to do a good job of finding those guys that come up, and that might be some of that pull up action that you're talking about.
0: Great stuff, Matt. Appreciate it. Keep up the super work on Locked On Pistons. Thanks, David. Talk to you soon. Before we jump over to the Western Conference mess that is the Clippers, let me remind you about SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best place for you to buy tickets to any upcoming event: rock concert, theater show, football game. NBA game, college game, anything. Why? Cuz Seeky compiles all of the tickets from the around the area in one plot place for you right on your phone. Then they give every ticket A ticket score. So if you don't know the venue or you don't know where the best place to be is, they'll tell you what the best deals are. Finally, it's guaranteed when it comes to your phone after you've purchased, and it's right there for you. Find the event you want to go to. If you're traveling to a city, you can mark it down and get price alerts, and you can browse all the different events that are taking place for you on the easy-to-use app. When you do download SeatGeek, then go to the Settings tab, enter in the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get a $20 rebate on your first purchase. That is the easiest way to get tickets. It's how I've gotten my tickets. SeatGeek app, promo code LOCKED, and you'll find modern technology making ticket buying easier for you. You'll never do it any other way. SeatGeek. Our final stop on biggest stories, local experts, is, is not a very good one, actually, but it's... It's worth digging into and finding out what's going on. The Los Angeles Clippers are five and eleven as we record this. Their last win was November first against Dallas. They started the year four and zero. They look terrific, and the wheels have fallen completely off. Lucas Haughton does the uh, Locked On Clippers show for us. Lucas, what has happened? I mean, a
3: lot has happened. I think the main thing is just that the Clippers aren't very good. I think they're probably better than nine losses in a row, but we've seen for a big chunk of this losing streak, Patrick Beverly, Nego Stegosic, Daniela Gallinari, starting point guard, starting shooting guard, starting small forward, all out. And the Clippers have been starting, Austin Rivers at point guard, Sandarius Thornwell, the rookie at shooting guard, and Wesley Johnson at small forward. That's not really a recipe for winning very many NBA games. I think that's probably the biggest driving factor behind the losing streak. There are a ton of other flaws, other things that need to be addressed. It's not only the injuries, but I think probably the main thing in this current losing streak is just the fact that they have been less talented than the teams they faced pretty much every night because they're missing so much of their key talent.
0: Where has the loss of Chris Paul been more significant than people realized.
3: I think there was a little bit of an expectation, even among the Clippers. We heard this from Blake Griffin, heard this from Doc, that even though the team would probably be worse without Chris Paul, and even though no one can fill in for what Chris Paul does as a distributor, that because Chris Paul is such a ball-dominant player, removing him from the team and putting more balanced offensive guys in there would create a system where the ball would actually move a little bit more. But what we've seen is ever since Milo State went down after that second game, the ball has really been very sticky for the Clippers. It has not moved well. Now they've had patches where it's been brilliant, like really, really brilliant, like old spurs, ball reversal, corner three, all the great stuff. but, it's been fleeting. And so I think the Clippers probably have the personnel to maximize that ball movement. But what we've seen in the absence of Chris Paul is that so far, it's just been a lot of isolation stuff or pick and roll stuff. But the guy with the ball in his hands is never as good as Chris Paul was at getting everyone else involved.
0: There's a big jump that happens when you lose Chris Bosh in Toronto, Chris Paul in uh, the Clippers, obviously LeBron when he left Cleveland or Miami, Gordon Hayward leaving Utah most recently, that players get thrust into different roles than they've had prior. And it's not as easy as just being, you know, the third, fourth, fifth guy on the floor. Who's experiencing that the most? That what's being asked of them might be beyond their natural skill set. Yeah, so
3: I think the the obvious candidate here is Austin Rivers. Um, but I actually don't think he's really being put into the role because of the Chris Paul decision to leave. Because the Clippers, you know, they had an opportunity in a way that Utah didn't really have with Gordon Hayward to try to replace that Chris Paul production offensively through getting distributor like Mio Stadosic a scorer like Danilo De- Gallinari, and then a... An, an all NBA first team defender and Patrick Beverly. So sort of, you know, by, um, with that, with that group, they were able to get the pieces of what Chris Paul does from different places. Obviously not the same as getting it in one superstar, but they were able to, to cover for it a little bit. But what we're seeing now with the injuries is Austin Rivers, a guy who I've been a big supporter of a big pro Austin Rivers person. But what I've always said is he's really a backup shooting guard. He's not a point guard. He, I don't know why people can, like want to slot him into that position. And I don't think he's quite good enough to be a starter, although I do understand that there are situations where if you have a strong backup, Austin might be the starter, but playing a little less minutes, whatever. But seeing him recently in this starting point guard role, night after night, playing alongside a guy like Sandarius Thornwell who is not a – Dribbler, creator, distributor type at all, and again Wesley Johnson, who rarely ever dribbles to basketball, it is really I wouldn't say exposed Austin because I still think Austin's a good player in the right role, but he has not been at all in a position to succeed.
0: The uh, let's go big picture for a second. Steve Ballmer's not into losing. Uh, Doc Rivers has got tepid. Support, I would say. What do you think happens next in Clipperland?
3: I think that Doc Rivers probably has more support within the organization than within the fan base, um, and maybe that's not a super uncommon thing in sports. But yeah, I don't see any rash changes being made, at least in the short term. I th- like I said that you know I think a big. The Clippers aren't perfect. They've had a lot of problems. Doc certainly hasn't been perfect. But the biggest factor behind the stretch, the main thing has been those injuries. And that doesn't always get coaches a pass. But I think when someone has as much clout within the organization as Doc Rivers has, I think it does sort of give him a very long leash. Now, when guys get back, the Clippers are going to have to figure things out. They're going to have to make the playoffs. You know, they're, the product on the court is going to have to look good, and they're going to have to take those fleeting moments like I talked about, where they had like one quarter last week where the ball movement was phenomenal and they looked great. They're going to have to take that and kind of make it into their brand and do it a little more consistently. But I don't think that there's a ton of pressure on Doc right now. He's just so entrenched in the organization. I, I don't, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing that divorce happening because of like a losing streak in November. I think it has to be a bigger picture failure than losing some games while some guys are out.
0: Do you think this is still a playoff team?
3: Yeah, I do. I think it'll come down to when guys come back and if they stay in the lineup. So like how many games do you get out of your best players? And it's entirely possible because this is a team that's built around Daniel Gallinari and Patrick Beverly and Blake Griffin. It's entirely possible that they have just too many games missed by their best players to ever be that unit um, for a long enough time to win enough games to make the playoffs. But where we stand today, I would still expect them to finish, you know, forty-four or forty-six wins and make the playoffs.
0: Having lost nine and low at five and eleven. I mean you're pretty optimistic there, like stunningly. I'm kinda of, you are expecting them to go forty one and thirty the rest of the way. Um, so I'm 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 admiring the optimism. I'm questioning it. Um,
3: I just I think that they're the way I'm looking at it is I had them around forty six wins, forty six to forty eight wins. I think right now they this is the worst stretch they're gonna have all season. I don't think they're gonna lose nine games in a row at another point this year. And so it's just a matter of, you know, they're off pace right now, but but I do think they'll be okay. Um, I dropped that, you know, forty six to forty eight a little bit, a few games, but
0: yeah, you know, I I think that when they've got their guys, they've
3: looked pretty good. So it's just a matter of trying to get healthy.
0: He's Lucas Hand does a great job with Locked On Clippers. We'll be interested to see. I wonder if the next story is whether they start some sort of rebuild. Do they move guys? I find the Clippers where they're sitting right now at five and eleven. This early in the season, at 13th in the West, a pretty fascinating story. Lucas, thanks for the time. Thank you, David. And that 13th in the West might be a little misleading since the Jazz, Suns, and Lakers are all ahead of them, and it's not clear if any of those teams are actually very good this year, and In addition, it's not clear what's going on with the Thunder who lost again last night. So lots of interesting things in the Western Conference. It's not what we thought it was going to be. It's not the powerhouse. In fact, the East has won more games against the West. This has been the biggest stories of the NBA covered by the local experts. Have a fabulous Thanksgiving. We will not have our second episode this week. We'll be back with you next week for our regular biggest stories, local experts, as well as a second episode of Locked on NBA. Thanks so much for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it today. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We on the Lockdown Podcast Network are so thankful for you for tuning in. We're also, of course, thankful for our sponsors. Go play draft. It's super fun. The promo code is LONBA. You'll love it. You can do a Thanksgiving Uh, football tournament with your buddies as well. L-O-N-B-A for that. Also, brought to you by SeatGeek. Use the promo code LOCK to get $20 back. Make sure you go subscribe to your local Locked On podcast. Tell Alexa to play the program, Locked On, whatever your favorite team, or tell Google to do the same. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for tuning in.